Yo, this is Pastor Tito here, welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life. And so today is another one of my deep dives that I am starting to do for the year 2021. If you missed the first one that I did last week, I really felt on my heart to kind of create something, add something a little bit more to my podcast, which primarily had been only my sermons. And there's just so much that God does on my heart and things that I wrestle with even personally that Sunday morning, I don't have the time to share everything. So uh, if you already heard the spiel last week, I'm making a shorter one today. By next week, I'm not going to be doing this anymore. So I just want to kind of clarify that. But that's what this is. And so I kind of want to revisit some things when it comes to the sermon, uh, Bible verses, examples that I did not get to mention or get or, you know, bring up. But then also in conversations with some of my friends and family and church members through the sermon, uh, kind of seeing some different angles that I would love to be able to share on their behalf. And so the key text for this week was found in James chapter Four, which let me get it out really quick. I should have had this prepared before, but whatever. James chapter four, we were looking at his words regarding, not time, regarding how we use our time and God's will. And so the week before, as we've been doing a series called I'll Do It Tomorrow, we've been really focusing on the idea of maximizing our time, right? Knowing that following Jesus today produces less regrets tomorrow. And I know Personally, I know that to be true. Any true Jesus follower knows that as well. Following Jesus today produces less regrets tomorrow. And so we're looking at this now with tackling, finding the power to change. And in order to find the power to change, we need to tackle procrastination. And there was an interesting thing here where chapter four, James is talking about, again, being at war with God, at war with each other, right? That's a real big term that we're all hearing right now at the beginning of 2021, just seeing so many people at odds, right? So many people at odds politically, socially, intellectually, spiritually, right? So many people are at odds with each other. And he pretty much answers, why is everybody at war with each other? Why are you at war with God? It's because none of you are willing to submit to God, or those of you that are fighting, let me just say not none of you, those of you that are at war with each other, at war with God, it's because you are not submitting to God. For he then says in chapter four, submit to God and resist the devil. The only way you and I can find the power to resist the ways of this world, the power to resist temptation is to create a habit of... Okay, submitting yourself to God. Again, following Jesus today produces less regrets tomorrow. The more you walk with God today, you will walk in greater freedom tomorrow. That's what now James is talking about. If you submit to God today, you will find yourself through the power of the Holy Spirit, able to resist the ways of this world, the thinking of this world, all of those things that put you at war, at odds with each other and with God. But if you don't submit yourself to God, you're not going to resist the devil. In fact, you will find yourself submitting yourself to the devil and resisting God. That's not where you want to find yourself. So then he talks about this, and let me just kind of put it here. We're going to read, I'm just going to read the 13 and 17 again. If you heard the sermon, I'm going to just take off, add, and pick up where I left off. But let me just read the verse again for those that missed it. It says, come now, verse 13, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will travel to such a city and spend a year there and do business and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What your life will be for your life is like a vapor that appears for a little while, then vanishes. Instead, you should say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. 
So it is a sin to know the good and yet not do it. That's really the big conclusion there when it comes to this section is it is a sin to know the good that you're supposed to do and not do it. And I've already told you, what is the good that we're supposed to do? Following Jesus, loving the way he has called us to love, living like him. That is the good that we are called to do. And if we choose not to do it, that is a sin. And doing that habitually, okay, puts us back in this condition of being a slave to sin. And so the encouragement that I wanted to pick up where I left off and kind of add a little bit more was, listen, that idea of living by the will of God, because that was the point. He says, listen, you guys are living in this way, thinking you know it all, thinking you're in control of the world, thinking that the way you want and all this stuff is going to happen. It's not going to be like that. You have no control of your time. You have no control of life, of circumstances. You have no clue what's going to happen. And you have no clue even if you're going to be around for that to happen. And so, in essence, he's saying what you should do is this. If the Lord wills, then we will live. Right? Man, I would love to do, you know, I got plans to do stuff. Me and my family got plans to do something later this year. But I do that saying, look, if the Lord wills for me to be alive, then I'll do it. Right. If the Lord wills for me to live 50 more years here on this earth, then I want to give it all to him. Right. If the Lord wills that, OK, then I'll be alive. But if the Lord wills it, then I'll do this or that. So I could have a good idea. But if God wants me to do something else, that's what I need to do. Not what I want to do. I, it can care less if I mean well. Listen, I don't know how many of us. We've all done it. We know people that meant well and things didn't end well. Look, I've said things, I have said things that meant well, and it didn't end well. I was reminded by one of my friends, all right, Michael Shoon, the other day as we were at Hollywood Studios, which me and my family for hobbies, we like to go to Disney. And there was a time uh, a couple years ago when we were walking and leaving Hollywood Studios, and this old lady tripped, wasn't paying attention on her phone, I've done this too, but she tripped on one of the... Uh, parking, you know, median things. I don't know what she tripped on, but she tripped on something. And in the middle of the parking lot, she's a few feet ahead of us. And she trips and kind of does this like forward motion, like all of her momentum is forward. Her head is down, her butt's up in the air. She, she can't stop herself. And she's kind of like running, trying to stop. And she doesn't just splatters in the middle of the parking lot. We go running, we help her up. It's okay. Oh yeah, it's all right. Everything's okay. Cool. Very good. I look at her phone I look, I pick up her phone and I was like, oh no, it's going to be cracked or whatever. And I'm like, well, at least your phone's okay. And till this day, both my wife, Michael and anyway, they still won't let me down on that because they, they won't let that one go because it was like the most awkward thing to say at the moment. And I'm kind of like that. And I, sometimes as a preacher, it's, it's funny as a preacher, sometimes I do not know what to say at times. I'm a human being just like anybody else. Man, listen, I meant well with that statement, but that was like, it didn't end well for me. I don't think it meant well. I don't think it was meaningful for her, even though I meant well. That's the thing. We all make those kind of mistakes, right? But the whole runaround with that is, listen, we're supposed to live by the will of God. It says, if God wills. I mean, how many times does Paul say we got to walk by the spirit, live by the spirit? We, we look at the, the prophets from old and, and the, the law, the law that God gave Moses and that speaks to us today. Everything in the Old Testament is one massive walk with God. Look at when you follow him and things, this is his ways. Things end well. It doesn't mean that things will always go well. That's the key thing. That's very Old Testament thinking compared to new Old Testament covenant was 
if you obey me, everything will be okay. If you obey me, everything okay. If things are not okay, it's because you're not obeying me. That was for a time and a season that God wanted to accomplish something in the world. But now with the new covenant that we have with Jesus, um, you can do everything correctly. You can do everything great and things won't always go okay. Look at Jesus, for example. Jesus never sinned, got murdered for it, right? You would think the guy got it, I mean, on point. He should have had the best perfect life. And Jesus was ridiculed, mocked, stabbed, you know, beaten, um, stabbed in the back, right? Whatever, all those things. Jesus didn't deserve any of that. And so with this new covenant that we have, we know that if we walk with God, even if things don't, aren't well at the moment, we know that God would make, will make all things work for us, for those, for a greater purpose. And so the thing is, we have to learn to live by the will of God. And I encourage everybody, if you want to know the will of God, number one, you got to be willing to get all of it. Okay. If you want the specific will of God, where should I go to college? What job? What this? What that? What should I do? Who should I marry? Should I buy this? Should I buy that? Should I go here? Should I go there? If you want to know those specific wills of God, you need to understand and be willing to embrace the universal will of God. The universal will of God is for all men to be saved. And the universal will of God in Jesus Christ is... Go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them what I've shown you. Okay, in essence, bro, get out there, do something. That is God's will. That is not the God's will for the pastor. The Great Commission is our mission. It is everybody's mission. And so if you want to know what your specific mission is, that needs to connect to the greater mission of all things. God is sovereign over all of your life. He is sovereign over your money. He is sovereign over your time. He is sovereign over your hopes and your dreams. And you need to live by that, by that prayer, if God wills. So pray, Lord, is there a way that I'm spending money that I shouldn't be? Right? What if you're saving my, look, I've, he's checked on, he's checked me a lot on some stuff here uh, when it comes to, hey, I'm spending too much time on this. There was a time when I was, I was starting to work out and get into healthy because for my whole life, I never really got, I never created a, a lifestyle of fitness or a lifestyle of health up until I was 33, right? And 33, 34, it's like, all right, let me kind of go. And I got too consumed by it. So I'm working out, I'm trying to work out every single day, an hour a day. And God checked me on that. I'm like, listen, that's great and all, but that's too much. And so he checked me on that. I, I was not spending my time correctly. He's checked me sometimes on, hey, you're listening. Uh, tell me, I know I'm not the only one. A couple of years ago, he checked me on saying, hey, you're listening to you're listening to too many pundits, not enough preachers yourself. OK, I was too into I spent more time in uh, I love RV Brown. He's a local evangelist here in Tampa. He lo he loves to use this phrase. And so he says, you know, when well, essence, God checked me, I was like, yo, you spending too, you spending too much time on Facebook and you're not getting your face into my book, the Bible, right? The things like that, right? That's RV Brown on there. Shout out to RV Brown. And so that's the thing. It's like we, he's checked me on so many things on how I've spent my money, what I've done, how I've treated, spent all those things. God, understand God is Lord. He is sovereign over all things. So you need to include him. And if you don't know what to do, number one, I said the will of God is found, is rooted in the heart of God. You got to know God's heart and God's heart is for you. It's good. And so God's will might be for you to, uh, God's will might be for you to go somewhere and be martyred for the faith. Um, yes. Okay. I'm not telling you that everything's going to be healthy, wealthy, and happy. Okay. God's will might be for you to suffer. And we're supposed to learn to suffer 
well as believers in Christ. We don't do it for our sake. We do it for the sake of others. If God calls some of us to suffer, if he calls some of us to suffer, it's because there are other people suffering in their sins and we need to get a little closer to them. And sometimes in order to get to suffering people, we kind of need to go through suffering. Didn't Jesus have to? Do you think you're better than Jesus? All right. We not. Jesus says, listen, if, if they treated me this way, they're going to treat you this way. If I've had to go through some stuff, you're going to have to go through some stuff. And so, guys, I need you to understand, number one, God's will always works. But number two, God's will is rooted in his heart. Even if something looks weird or scary or not sure, it is okay. He means well. He loves you. He's not going to punish you. He's not going to do anything like that that's going to cause you to unnecessarily hurt for no reason. His will is rooted in his heart and his heart is revealed is revealed in his word. So the better you know God's word, the better you're going to know God's heart. And the better you know God's heart, the better you're going to know his will because it's going to be there. Because when to know God's heart is to f- give your heart to God. To know God's heart is to be overwhelmed by his love towards you, by his goodness towards you. And the more your life is filled with his love, the more your that love is going to flow through your life. And you're going to want to love what God loves and hate what God hates. You're going to do what God wants you to do and not do what he doesn't want you to do. It all starts with a revelation, an encounter of Jesus Christ. Okay. Jesus is the ultimate word that brings the word made flesh that brings that revelation. And if you want to know how much he loved you, look at the cross. That's how much he loved you. And you want to know what he's capable of doing? Look at the tomb. Because man, the fact that he grows from the dead shows you all the power that he needs to do anything in this world. So I want to encourage you, a mature believer in Jesus Christ, the kind of revolutionary that I always talk about, the revolutionary that revolves their life around Christ, the way the moon and the earth revolve around the sun, right? Well, the earth revolves around the sun. So does the moon, but the moon revolves around the earth. That kind of revolution, that's what we need. We need Christ at the center of every area. And we need to learn to grow and surrender all areas of God, uh, all areas of, of our life to God. Now, I was looking at this because there's a conversation that I also had with Michael uh, regarding purpose and passion because, you know, he's in college, he's thinking about his career. I've been there. And he was saying, you know, is there a difference between purpose and passion? Like, if I have a passion for this, and I've done this, right? I had a passion for music. I had a passion for certain things in life. And so where does my purpose connect to my passion? Now, I want to encourage you if you're wondering this, because you may be saying, well, you know, I'm, I'm a real estate agent, you know, I'm a doctor, I'm a this, I'm a that. I'm like, this isn't special. This isn't, you know, I'm not going out and changing the world. I'm a businessman, right? I know money. I know this. That's what I do. I'm a farmer. I'm a policeman. You know, am I really making a difference for Jesus? Listen, I don't care what job you have, to be honest, other than pimp, prostitute, or drug dealer, let's just be real, whatever, you know, examples like those. Those are jobs that you ain't really advancing the kingdom on that one, bro. I'm I'm just sorry. Um, But there's regular job. I don't care if you're a Walmart employee or the CEO of Walmart, okay? All the way across the board. Listen, there there is a balance between your purpose and your passion. Now, you can have a passion for what you do. That's great. You can have a passion for music. You can have a passion for sports. But our purpose, our purpose is to know God and make him known. That's our purpose. So if you have, if you're a businessman, you can glorify God in being a businessman in the way that you handle your business and the way you train your employees. If you're an employee, right? I, I was a you know, a sandwich maker at Schlotsky's, right? 
I can honor God by being a good employee, by praying for my bosses, by praying for them, by praying for my customers, you know, not obviously over the counter, like, hey, I would like a number five. It's like, you, would you like some Jesus on the side? I, it's not like that. But you feel me? Like, there's ways that you can live in the small things day by day. We are called to know God and make him known. And God needs people everywhere because there are sinners everywhere dying in their sins. And so God might call you to do something crazy. I'm like, this doesn't make sense. How am I going to make a difference? here. You never know. Quick story, Matthew, and I'm a quick story, quick testimony, not Matthew, Moses. One verse that hit me really hard when I saw it was when Moses was talking to Pharaoh and he was saying, Pharaoh, we need, we need all of our livestock, all of our people. We have to take everything with us to go worship in the desert. We, our God is calling us to go worship. So let my people go, right? That whole thing. He's calling us to go and we got to bring everything. He's like, no, 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 no. Hold on, bro. You got to leave stuff. You can go. You, you leave your kids, leave your stuff. Leave. No, he says, we got to bring everything. And here's what Moses said that shook me. He says, for we do not know what we will need to worship God until we get there. Bro, we don't need, we don't know. All we know is God's calling me to go there and I don't know what else he's going to ask. And I, I need everything. I don't know what he's going to use until we get there. That shook me because it's like, sometimes we wait for God to kind of figure it all out. And no, 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 no. We wait for God. Sometimes God's waiting on us. And if you wait to figure it all out, you'll never be ready. And so I love that because he says, you never know what God is going to use. You never know what you're going to need. Here's my testimony on that. There was plenty of times where I'm like, yo, I cannot believe. I cannot believe what God is asking me to do right now. I'm, I'm in high school. I'm a, I'm a senior. I'm getting ready to graduate. I'm thinking about life. I'm thinking about career, balancing passion, purpose, all those things. And I have a heart for music. I'm like, Lord, you want me to be a musician? You want me to be a singer, songwriter, whatever? What do you want me to do? I have a, I have a heart for worship. I have a heart for music. Worship has nothing to do with music. That's a different conversation for another day. What do you want me to do? And so I was ready to go. I had a university, accepted me. I was going to go into their music program. Out of nowhere, God hits me sideways with this thing, that's with this idea. Somebody, and I don't remember who it was, I was taking piano lessons from a big professional, a friend of mine that I knew. He tells me, have you ever heard of international studies as a career, as a job, as a, as a thing to study? And I was like, what is that? And I started researching it. First off, when he said international studies, it's something that kind of hit my heart. Now, again, during that time, I was just getting into God's word. I was falling in love with God's word. I was falling in love with the heart of God. And I knew young enough in my walk with God, when that word international studies came out at me, something hit my spirit. And I'm like, yo, wait, there's something there. I knew God well enough at that moment to say, I got to investigate this because something just didn't hit my heart heart. It hit my spirit. I'm researching. And the more I learn about international studies, which is, uh, you know, a college, um, program, right? It deals with, uh, politics and economics and, and political issues and, and all studying all the isms, right? Conservatism, progressivism, communism, socialism, all that other stuff, all the isms. Um, and I'm looking at that. I'm like, wow, like there's something really, there's something that's drawing me like a magnet, what is this? This has nothing to do with music. And I really felt, you got to be kidding. I literally said, you want me to study this? I'm praying. And I was like, is this your will for me to study that? I'm like, well, what, what happened to my, I felt like it was your will for me to, you know, people prophesied over me you know, and whatever. And then, you know, that I'm going to be this and I'm going to be that. And, and, and what is this? This doesn't seem right. I rebuke you devil. No. Um, he helped me. And I'm like, 
I can't believe this. God wants me to study international studies at the University of South Florida and not pursue music. But I knew it was God's will. I didn't get it. I didn't understand it. So I said, all right, God, whatever. Four years studied at the University of South Florida, international studies, did my job. I killed, and when it comes to international studies, I killed every class. Um, I got like a D in literature because that was a weird class and some, you know, I took golf, okay, got decent grades in that, but you know, it's college. Um, I, I took some boom, whatever classes, but I was like, all right, you want me to do that? Fine. And this was how stubborn I was. I would, I would go on one side of campus, do all my international studies classes, then go to the other side of campus to the music room and practice and do all this and do that. Like I still was holding on. This is my will. Lord, your will be done, but mine better my will will be done too. Eventually I let that go. All right. But I was like, God, I don't get it. I graduated in four years with a degree in international studies, minored in business, minored in Latin American studies. And so I get out. I was like, all right, fine. And then I feel God called me. I was like, I want you now to go study worship and tech arts at Christ for the Nations in Dallas, Texas. I'm like, oof, there we go. That's more like it. I'm ready. Let's do this. I'm, I'm going to learn songwriting and writing and this and that. And let's go. I got it. And I'm like, what happened to international studies? I don't know. I don't care. I know this is what God wants me to do. I did it. Spent nine months in that school. At that school, I learned how to write songs, learned how to craft uh, lyrics, craft, really focus because writing lyrics and writing songs, it's, you got to, every word matters and you got to really pack it in. You know, what's the, um, what's your song in a sentence, all right? All these things. I had to do it all and I'm learning tech. I'm learning how to edit videos. I'm learning how to record. I'm learning how to do so many stuff. I'm learning how to use technology, audio recording, all these things. At the end of it, I think, all right, now I know I have it figured out. God wants me now to go into my church and I'm going to be the worship pastor at my church. Awesome. Cool. I go. I'm starting to be the worship pastor at my church as a volunteer and something didn't seem right. First off, I get out of college and I'm like, all right, I'm going to get a job as a worship pastor. And God says, nope. I really felt him, somebody presented me with the, the idea. Again, God, in all this time, God has not told me, thou shalt study this. Thou shalt go to that school. Thou shalt. No, not one time. I don't know if you heard me in that weird thing. I muffled my voice. Um, I don't know if you got that, but God never told me audibly anything what to do. But every single time it, I just knew it. It seemed right to me. And I identify when Paul throughout the letters, his letters, he would say, Paul himself, who knew God's voice, who encountered and heard the audible voice of God in Jesus Christ. Paul would say in his letters in the New Testament, look it up. It seemed right to me that I would go here. It seemed right that I would, that we would go and do this. It seemed right that we should not go. All there's been times that Paul himself did not know the full thing what God wanted him to do, but he did it because it seemed right. There was enough of God that he knew that was like, there's an echo of God in this and I need to be faithful and I'm just going to step forward in faith. See, sometimes walking with God is, it requires faith. You won't always know hundred percent, but when you know enough of God's heart and his will, you're going to, you're going to know. And, and sometimes you want to say, no, I don't want to. But you know that's what you should do. Remember what James said? To know the good and not do it is a sin. And so I'm like, all right, God, I know enough. So let me go. All right. 
I graduate that. I, I'm now, God puts in front of me, you should be a teacher. Because at the, my final weeks while I was at Christ for the Nations, we had a lot of Korean students there that struggled with English. And they would come to me at the end. I don't know Korean, but they would come to me at the end of class and say, can you explain to me one more time what our teacher just said? And then at the end of it, one, one girl, she told me, and then they were all there. was like, you're a really good teacher. You make, thing, you make something complicated that I didn't understand. You make it simple. Okay, so then that was a drop in my heart that hit my spirit again. Someone says, I need you. And God really presents to me, hey, there's a teaching position open at this Christian school in Tampa. Do you want it? Well, my church isn't going to hire me, so I need a job. I need to make money. I want to get married. So, yeah, I became a teacher, teaching for over a decade. Okay, teaching for over a decade where I learned how to communicate, how to craft, how to manage, uh, you know, how to teach different people and different perspectives and different learning strategies and, and different learning disabilities. I'm now learning how to do all of that. Guys, this process now, if you haven't counted the years, I, I'm, I'm up to about year 15. And in the middle of being a teacher, then God says, now I want you to be a pastor. That's the one job that I did not want to do. And again, he didn't tell me to do it. Literally, my dad, who was a senior pastor at our church, said, God is putting it on my heart. And I really feel, again, not guaranteed, really feel that we should expand from our English, Spanish congregation, Spanish church, and start doing things in English. And I was thinking of you. Would you like to do it? Now, I knew enough of God. God had hit me with words that hit my spirit, not my heart. And literally, when my dad told me that, it hit my spirit. I went, you got to be kidding. You got to be kidding to Jesus. I literally told her the spirit. You got to be kidding. This? Really? This is what you want me to do? I knew enough to not say no. And so I was like, all right, I've been doing it ever since. And that was, that was 10 years ago, still teaching. And, and what's been amazing is I could not imagine doing anything else. You tell me right now, Dito, you can go be a singer songwriter somewhere. You can be, a, you just write the songs that everybody else sings. You, you can be a music producer and stuff like that. I'm like, no, 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 I want this. This is the one job I did. I would not have wanted out of a million options. Because it's God's will. It's not about the job. It's God's will. When you walk in God's will, man, things work. I mean, you see God at work. God works in you. God works through you. So there is a balance between that purpose and passion. And you won't always know every little thing to do. But then look at all of this. How Moses said, I don't know what I need. We need to bring this all because I don't know what God's going to use. Look at how God had used all my stuff. God called me to be a pastor, right? Well, first off, I needed to go spend four years to learn the things of this world, the ways of this world, how the world thinks, all the different uh, theologies, ideologies that the world has to offer, all the political systems in this. I spent four years in, engulfed in the, the world, the ways of this world, listening to people on the left and on the right and everything in between. And then I go spend a year learning how to walk with God and live a lifestyle of worship while picking up some nice practical skills on tech and video and, and, and audio and stuff like that. And then I go to spend the next decade and spend years now being a teacher, learning how to communicate, how to teach people something. And then now he calls me to be a pastor, wrap all that stuff up. As a pastor, I know my purpose is, again, to help you find faith in Christ and help you to follow through in your life, right? That's what I say. Well, look at that. I learned the ways of this world and how to walk with God. And as a pastor, my job is to pastor you and teach you how to walk with God and avoid the ways of this world. I could not have created a greater training path than that. Amazing. 
And that's God. That's not on me. And, and so that was just me being willing. And guys, you never know. There's jobs and things that you have gone through that you never know what God. So give it your all. If you don't know what God wants in the general later, learn everything that you can. Look at me. I'm right now editing videos, putting them on YouTube. I've learned basics on how to do all of this. And I'm able to do it because I gave it my all. I Not knowing what. I just did it. And I'm going to tell you guys, I made mistakes over these last. Don't think that I was perfect in every single decision. No, I have made plenty of mistakes more that I sometimes I it, Oh, God, it seems that you want me to do this. And I was completely bold faced wrong. But the thing is that even in those wrong mistakes and in the wrong avenues, God has made all things. My good decisions and my bad decisions. Romans 8, 28 work for my good for his glory and for the good of others. So guys, I want to encourage you. Now is the day. Today's the day to not know the good. To, I'm sorry, to know the good and not do it. That's a sin. Now, you're going to do that from time to time. Listen, I still do it. There's, I know sometimes I need to say this or I need to do this. And I just, I, I'm either a chicken. I don't do it. I don't say it. And then I later repent. All right, I'm sorry, God. I should have helped me the next time. You're not going to be perfect. I am by far perfect at all. Trust me. But the goal is guys, is just to, man, just give God your best and just trust in him with the rest. When you realize you muffed up. Okay. That's my word. When you say you just kind of messed up, whatever, when you realize that you muff the punt, right. And all that stuff, give her say, all right, take that loss and give it to God, turn it into a lesson and keep learning, keep growing until you, you know, let, even if you uh, seemed right, but you were wrong, well, allow God to make it right. Give him everything and grow, keep growing. Do that today. Don't do that tomorrow. Okay. Be David. Don't be Saul. Okay. If you think about it, Goliath for 40 days was talking smack to Saul, the King of Israel talking smack to the whole army. I need some one of y'all to step up and catch a fatal. I need one of y'all to throw hands with me. I need one of y'all to step up and see if you can take me one-on-one. -on -one. That's it. One-on-one. -on -one. 40 days. No one, not the army didn't move. And you know what? 40 days, King Saul stayed nice and cozy in his tent. If anyone was to act, it should have been the king. It should have been Saul. But David said, I had enough of this. I'm going to go and I'm not going to wear King Saul's armor. I'm, I'm only coming at this guy, not with anything, but the, but God, and he's like, I come at you right in the name of the Lord Jesus. He had nothing but faith in him. See, Saul procrastinated. Saul didn't go with his army. If he could have gone out in faith, God could have done the same thing. Probably. Let's just be real. But he Stayed in, he, he was in fearful. He stayed in fear while David walked in faith. David didn't wait any longer. It's like, the right thing to do right now is to confront this fool, all right, and to let him know who the real God is. And God acted. So we can't be like Saul, just kind of waiting, waiting, waiting. By the way, that was the beginning of Saul's downfall. Um, listen, God has a will for your life and he has a purpose for your life. But if you're going to sit there and sit on your butt and not do anything, then you can't forfeit that, that will and God will just choose somebody else. Okay, that happened to Saul, that happened to David, that happened to, oof, man, the prophet Elijah. Elijah's considered the greatest prophet, probably the greatest prophet of the time, aside from Moses. And God had to call three people to fulfill the role and to do what Elijah was uh, unable to do. Or, you know, that's, that's another for a different story, so I don't want to go too far on that. But again, I want to tell you guys, God has a purpose for your life, but if you choose not to do it, God's going to find somebody else who will. He will. He will find somebody else who will because God's will will be done. And so I want you to understand, don't wait for everything to be right. 
in order to do things because that's you're not going to do the right thing. Do the right thing at the right time. Matthew 25, 1 through 13, Jesus gives a weird story about 10 virgins, five faithful, five wise, five unwise, who they were waiting to be invited to this wedding and this feast. Five of them were prudent, meaning they went ahead and they were proactive. They filled their, um, you know, they filled their lamps with oil. The other five were like, we got time, we got time, we got time, we got time, we got time. Those, the foolish ones, they all fell asleep. Okay, when they found out the party starting, the five that were ready went inside. The five who didn't were like, hey, hey, hey you mind you can kind of, uh, you know, spread the wealth on those uh, things that you guys did that we could have done, should have done at some point, didn't do. Uh, could you share? And like, no, because if we share, there's not enough for us or you. And so they went inside and the other five went to go try to fill their jars, fill their oil. It was a little too late, a little too little too late. Listen. Uh, the, the whole point of that was trying to get spiritually ready. Um, I want to encourage you. If you think, well, I got time, you know, I'm, I'm going to get right with God tomorrow. You know, I'm going to live my life. I'm going to wild out today. I'll get right with God tomorrow. Listen, you don't know what tomorrow's going to be. So I'm going to stop and tell you right now. Only God can make things right. You can't get right, be right. Only God can do that. And what you have to do is get right with God right now. Right now, repent of your sins, put your trust in him and he will make things new. You can't put that off for tomorrow because that's what's going to happen. There are people, there are people who put, are going to put off God for another day. And when death comes or when judgment comes, it's a little too little too late. It's too late at that point. So guys, I want to encourage you. All right. Procrastination doing the don't procrastinate on what's right or what we what God is calling you to do and just the right thing to do. So many of us know what the right thing to do so many times is and we just choose not to do it. That is, again, a sin. Feel me? Hear me? That's a sin to know the right and not do it is a sin. And the only procrastination that I'm going to allow and I believe that the Bible and God would allow is procrastinate on procrastinating. Okay. Just, uh, that's what I said on Sunday, put off procrastination for tomorrow. Get what you need to get done today. First things first. Let me read some verses in Proverbs four. I'm gonna hit you real quick with four Proverbs that talk about uh, the difference between being proactive versus procrastinating. 1224 says the diligent, the non lazy, the diligent hand will rule, but laziness will lead to forced labor. Look at that. Those who work hard, this, the God's word focus is, is big on the, you know, the, the idea of personal responsibility, working hard. It's no, no guarantee, but he's saying, listen, if you're going to be lazy, you're going to have to depend on other people the in your whole life. And not just that, but if you learn to be really lazy and do nothing, uh, you will live enslaved. You will be dependent on government, on people for the rest of your life. But a diligent person, one who works hard, they will rule that you're going to see benefits, right? You're going to get to see things. You get to be more in control of your life. If you're lazy, others will control your life. That's, that's real. All right. That's real. Matthew, uh, Proverbs 13, four, the slacker craves yet has nothing, but the diligent is fully satisfied. Look at that. The slacker craves yet. What did it say? Has nothing. He wants everything yet does nothing. He wants all the gain, but no pain. Slacker but the diligent is fully satisfied. Okay. The diligent is fully satisfied. Meaning look, they know I gave my best and I'm happy with that. doesn't mean that everything is perfect, but I didn't make excuses. I made moves. There's a difference guys between making excuses and making moves. Cause when at the end you can say, look, I, I did all I could. 
and I'm happy with that. Uh, Proverbs uh, 15, 19. Guys, I'm just scratching the surface on some of these. I'm just going to stop, though. Proverbs 15, 19 says, A slacker's way is like a thorny hedge, but the path of the upright is a highway. A highway is open and clear, meaning if you are active and if you are proactive, things just kind of go a little easier for you, but a slacker's way is like a thorny hedge. It's like a path that's just walking on thorns. It's not easy, right? If you, if your life isn't easy, the last thing you need to be is lazy. If you are lazy, you make life harder, okay? I don't care. If you're spiritually lazy, you're going to make things harder. That's what it is. It's going to be rough. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be painless, uh, fruitless, Thorns, fruit don't grow on thorns like that, okay? You are going to be fruitless if you are lazy. Uh, also, uh, I don't know how, I don't know how fast you can walk. A highway, it's clear of debris. You can go fast on a highway. A path full of thorns, you got to move slow. So things don't move the way they do. You grow slow you or don't grow at all, right? It's slow versus fast. And so again, being proactive, doing what matters and doing what's right right now. Proverbs 18, 9, last one says the one who is lazy in his work is a brother to a vandal all right the one who is lazy is a brother to his vandal listen if you don't do your duty okay listen a brother to a vandal someone who is destructive that's your boy that's your kin that's your friend that's 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 your blood now a lazy person is nothing is different is no different all right you are a relative to somebody who is destructive because that's what happens okay guys we need to do our duty do the right thing do the right thing at the right time which is always right now not doing the right thing let me let me give you one i'm gonna just finish with this ready here's something that we all need to do is to love the way god loves us treat love as jesus loved us treat others the way jesus has treated us you know what i'm seeing over the last week or so and i got to be careful because i can be have been guilty of this and i want to avoid this is the sin of partiality, okay? God's word says to know the good, yet not do it, is a sin. Listen, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you know how you're supposed to be. Do you know the fruits you're supposed to have? Love, joy, peace, kindness, patience, goodness, gentleness, self-control. You know that love is patient, love is kind, love is this, love is that. Love endures all things, hopes all things. Love keeps no record of wrong. Love does not celebrate in injustice, but celebrates in the truth. That's all scripture. You know what, you know what to do if you're a believer in Christ. You know what to do if you know those words. The sin of partiality is not just a sin of not doing it. It's the sin of picking and choosing when to act in those ways. I choose to be good for you, not good. I choose to be gentle with you, not with you. I choose to have no record of wrong for you, but I choose to have all the record of wrong for you. That's the sin of partiality is you play favoritisms. And let me tell you right now, God's, God's church, a lot of people talking smack, total junk on God's church, especially politically on this and that. Who's to blame? Who's to blame? Who's to blame? The guy, well, what's happening here? What's happening there? Let me tell you, everybody got a hand in the pot, all right? Everybody got a hand in the cookie jar on this one. Because I, it is ridiculous, the sin of partiality from pastors and, and big leaders and congregational members and so-called Christians. I'm going to be real. And, and let me say, some of y'all Christians and y'all living like this, the sin of partiality. Listen, God does not treat people differently. That God is not partisan like that. Okay. God treats others the same and he is consistent. We need to learn to be consistent because the sin of partiality is I, I know to, I know the right thing and I'm going to choose to love you and not love you. I choose to do this and I do that. That's pharisaical. 
That's pharisaical. Those are the ones that Jesus called out for being inconsistent. All right. That's pharisaical. Now, here's how we all do this. Man, I am seeing people right now. Let's say on the left. I'm going to come for you on the right. So don't worry. People on the left refusing. Okay. Refusing to extend and treat others on the right the way they've wanted the right to treat them over the last, let's just say, year. Let's just play that game. Okay. It is this. I, you treat, it's not treat others the way, not treat others the way you want to be treated. It's I'm going to treat you the way you treat me. And so you, you're seeing people on the left. Yo, let's bring the hammer down on Trump. Now, I don't care what your opinion is on Trump. I want you to listen to this. Bring the hammer down on Trump. Impeach him right now. That's what's happening right now in this conversation. Bring the hammer down. People are having even legislators. Bring the hammer down on every Republican right now. We got to bring the hammer down on, on this movement. We got to silence their voices. We got we to put them in re-education camps, which some legislators as of today that I was hearing want to talk about things like that. I don't care if they're going to do it. The fact that they're saying it. Bring the hammer down on these people. But then when their side does something similar, oh, I'm going to turn the I'm going I'm to I'm I'm turn the blind eye. Let me, let me tell you, Republicans will do that too, okay? People people do that because it is sinful, okay? They'll come down, bring the hammer down. Obama did this, bring the hammer down. Biden did this, bring the hammer down. Everybody on the left wants to bring the hammer down and everybody on the right, including Trump. And everybody on the right wants to bring the hammer down and wants Trump to bring the hammer down. And everybody on the left to expose them, to declassify this, to do this, to do that. Well, listen, eventually God is going to bring the hammer down on everyone, and the only reason why any of us stand a chance is because is because Roman soldiers used a hammer to drive in nails into Jesus's hands and feet. Because Jesus died on the cross for us, for our sins and his blood was shed. It's the only reason why only way that our sins could be forgiven. But without that love of Jesus, we're going to keep playing these partisan games. Look at the riots. Okay, you had the riot at the Capitol, which was ridiculous and 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 messed up, horrible. I hated that. I hated seeing that. I was sick to my stomach. In the same way that I've been sick to my stomach, seeing riots for the last what eight, the whole summer, right? I mean, DC was burned down pretty much. There's so many areas that were burned down. I mean, buildings were burned down. People, cops, plural, murdered. People murdered at these places, and 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 so you would have the left on one side for a whole year saying, "This is the voice of the unheard. We need to listen to them. I don't care the damage, billions of dollars in damage. We need to listen." Then the, let's say Republicans, you know, MAGA, Antifa, they start doing the same thing. They riot on the con on the congregational steps at, at, at the Capitol Hall. And what happens? Oh, we got to put them all in jail. We got to don't listen to them. No, no, we've heard it. We know what they be consistent. Vice versa. You got the Republicans on the other side. For I know a lot, and I know some people on the right. I have friends that are on both, and I would have Republicans on the right. They would look, and these they would look at the protest, and they would lump in the peaceful protesters with those who would mess everything up later. Some, some, sometimes they were the same people, but not all the time. You know, there were people who were a peaceful protest would turn into rioting and violence and horrible, and and they would lump them all in. And some people on the left were saying, "Hey, you know, let's let's not mix." everybody up you know okay but and then it got kind of crazy and then here this was a perfect opportunity republicans were like hey well we were we were mainly peaceful protesters and yeah we there was a group that did things and we didn't like it and like and what did the left do you know what we know how that feels right we know how that feels when when you have a group come in and kind of wreck your whole thing we understand 
Let's talk about that. They didn't. They didn't. They, they, the way that they did not treat others the way they want to be treated and then vice versa. Now here you have, I wasn't listening to you, but now I want you to listen to me now, even though I wasn't listening to you later. Sin of partiality, guys. Only Jesus can do that. We can't for some, when people break the rules, we, you know, when you have some people saying, uh, put them in jail or, Hey, let's raise funds to get them out of jail. When, when you have, you know, people do the same thing and, but when they're on your side, you're going to bail them out of jail. But when they're on the other side, you're going to put them in jail partiality. That's called sin. Okay. You can't do that. You can't make excuses. Okay. I don't know how many Christians were at, you know, how can you vote for, for Trump? Look at all the things that he said, look at his character, look at all the grab of this and this and that, and all the, the misogynist and the sexist and the racist thing. I right, cool. How come I, I ain't hearing that same energy? And, and that's all valid statements, all valid things. The conduct and the character of the president should matter. But I'm not hearing the same energy from the same people who said that. They're not saying the same energy about Biden and his allegations and family and the ties and the corruption and scandals that have happened. Silent. Sin of partiality. That's why things don't get better. That's why things don't get better. Because we're not, we're not thinking right. We're not acting right. And you and I can't do better until Jesus does his will in us. We are, we will continue to be at war with God. We will continue to be at war with each other because we are at war against the will of God. We have missed this week alone. We have missed opportunities for unity to see, you know what? I understand. I understand what you mean. I've felt that. Yeah. Let's talk. Let's find a way to unite. Let's fix. We've missed an opportunity for unity, but you know what? There's going to be another one. And we need to keep doing the right thing at the right time. And right now, let me tell you, the right thing to do is turn to Jesus because his will is the only thing that's going to work. And his will is the only thing that will make things work. Things might not go well and well, it doesn't matter. That's what we need. So I want to encourage you guys. Listen, that's the kind of revolutionary we need is, is to be Jesus at the center. He is Lord of our opinions. He is Lord of our vote. He is Lord of our finances. He's Lord of my relationship. He is Lord of my life. Jesus has earned that. Jesus has earned that title, has earned that, deserves that. And he has a track record that when Jesus is Lord of your life, you find life. You learn to find life. So I want to encourage you guys, be that kind of revolutionary. Turn to Jesus. Stop playing these silly little games because honestly, a lot of y'all, you're, you're a part of the problem, not the solution. And the only solution is Christ. The only solution is the gospel. He is the only thing that can change hearts and minds. God is going to change hearts and minds. We have politicians and people and big tech trying to change hearts and minds through manipulation, but it is only through the blood of Jesus and confession and faith in him that we can experience true transformation. And you will have the heart of the heart of Christ and the mind of Christ. He is the only one that can get it done. And you need to, if you want to see that done, God's will must be done. You must surrender to God's will. When his will is done, the work of the enemy is undone. So do what God has called you to do today. Maybe it's just pray. Maybe it's just encourage. Maybe it's just, but don't put the good following Jesus for another day. Put procrastination off another day. Do the right thing. Trust in Jesus. Be faithful in the little and watch God do something big.